Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Friday, April 29th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. A century-old black cemetery in North St. Louis County is on the brink of being overrun by grass and cattails. Decades of flooding and neglect have caused some people to lose track of where their ancestors are buried. This is sacred. I know it couldn't be help, it happened. But the thing of it is, is to get it undone. What I'm afraid of is his casket may have moved. Coming up, St. Louis Public Radio's Emily Woodbury reports on a new effort to restore Washington Park Cemetery. The Missouri House has passed a bill requiring a photo ID to cast a ballot. However, much of the attention on this legislation is about some additional language. St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Kellogg explains. The bill House members passed by a vote of 96 to 47 requires voters to present a photo ID at their polling place. The bill also makes over 20 changes to Missouri's current election laws, including banning the state and its political subdivisions from receiving or spending private money to conduct an election. However, the bill was overshadowed by an amendment that allowed school districts to hold referendums to bar transgender girls from participating in sports aligning with their gender identity. Representative Dan Shaw spoke on other parts of the bill on the House floor and encouraged members to vote for the bill if they were for fair and trustworthy elections. I will tell you this is probably the most comprehensive election integrity bill that we've produced in in this chamber. The bill now goes to the Missouri Senate with only two weeks left in the session. In Jefferson City, I'm Sarah Kellogg, St. Louis Public Radio. House members have passed another bill that bans transgender students in secondary schools from participating in sports with students who are not the same sex as listed on their birth certificates. The legislation is also headed to the Senate. Residents of four tent encampments in St. Louis are facing eviction Monday. The city wants to shut down locations where people without housing are living. Mayor Tashara Jones says there are enough beds at shelters for the residents, but encampment resident Trina Scott says that is not true. We have nowhere to go except for your jails when we fall asleep on your sidewalks and then you want to lock us up. Scott and others facing eviction were heard yesterday on St. Louis on the Air. Advocates for homeless people are calling on the city to use federal funds for long-term solutions, including permanent tent encampment areas. A St. Louis alderwoman is praising Mayor Jones's plan to invest $150 million of federal COVID relief money into the city's north side. But as St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Littman reports, Tina Peel says the money needs to be used thoughtfully. Peel's 17th Ward includes the Forest Park Southeast neighborhood and the Cortex and Foundry developments, but the rapid growth is pushing out long-term residents. The mayor's plan for the north side includes a pledge to include neighbors in the process of development. Peel says that's a good first step. But she says her background as a city planner taught her that the conversations need to go deeper. How are we going to develop this city? What do we want this city to look like in 50 years? You know, who do we want in the city? How is this city going to be better? Peel was a guest on the Politically Speaking podcast. I'm Rachel Lippman, St. Louis Public Radio. Administrators at St. Louis Public Schools and charter schools plan to distribute locks to ensure gun owners keep their weapons out of students' hands. Educators for Gun Safety is working with the St. Louis Public Library, Locket for Love, and Women's Voices. The initiative will give out its first gun locks May 7th at Bashan High School. 
Confluence Academy's CEO, Candace Carter-Oliver, says organizers want to make sure gun owners have the devices in the next few weeks to keep students from shooting themselves or others. School is coming to an end and the summer months or vacation is approaching. So this is fresh on our minds as our children tend to spend more time away from school. We must get weapons secured before kids get home. The St. Louis Public Library is already distributing free gun locks. A century-old black cemetery near the southeast tip of St. Louis Lambert International Airport at one point was the largest African-American cemetery in the region. More than 42,000 people are buried across land that's about the size of 32 football fields. St. Louis Public Radio's Emily Woodbury reports that after decades of desecration, flooding, and overgrowth, volunteers are now working to bring this hallowed place in North St. Louis County back from the brink. It's a sunny, windy day as Asia Corrigan, founder of the Saving Washington Park Initiative, meets with a local historian and several descendants of people buried here. This is one of the good sections. This section is section five. One of the descendants here today is Dolores Lang. She lives in North County and along with her mother is here to visit her father's grave. My dad was, he was well-liked. He was, he was well-liked in, in the city of Kenlock. Um, he was a hard worker. He was a good dad. He's a good dad. Benny Aaron Morrow Jr. died 40 years ago, around the time the cemetery fell into disrepair. The former owner mismanaged it. Records went missing. Occupied plots were resold. And Lang's father's headstone was never placed. In the 1990s, things got even worse, Corrigan says. The community started complaining about missing uh, headstones. Vandalism. Vandalism. Uh, evidently, someone was walking around. There was a skull, tires. fragments, there bones. There um, Bones. But this was even before, I think. Then, in 2006, Kevin Bailey, whose grandfather is interred at the cemetery, purchased the land for $2.00. The vandalism and desecration was curbed, but the cemetery's condition was still poor. Many people say Bailey had good intentions, but the task of restoring the cemetery was just too difficult. St. Louis County put the cemetery into a trust because taxes went unpaid. Now, volunteers show up sporadically to do landscape maintenance, but it's not consistent, and sometimes they inadvertently damage headstones. Because of all this, Lang and her mom stopped visiting, and they lost track of where Morrow Jr. was buried. That's until Spire employees cleaned up a portion of the cemetery and used GPS equipment to track the locations of those who were buried without headstones. Today, Lang and her mom are seeing Morrow Jr.'s grave for the first time in 20 years. They place a bouquet of flowers where he lies between two other headstones. It just means so much just to know that we can come here and know where he is. And and that he continue to rest in peace. As we head to other sections of the cemetery, it's apparent just how much work there is to do. Gravestones are toppled over, and others are cracked and chipped from improper landscape maintenance. Countless markers have sunk beneath the surface. The land has shifted and morphed since people were buried here. Corgan says geospatial technology can be used to redraw the plots. 
the stones are sliding down the hill. Mm -hmm. So not only did we dig them out of the ground, we have to now get the geospatial map so that we can put them where they're supposed to be because we don't want to someone's headstone over there, but they're buried over there. And so that's what's happening there. So that's Next, we, really we get, get to a section of the cemetery that's in a particularly dire state of disrepair. It's downhill from Interstate 70. Planes take off overhead. Billboards owned by DDI Media used to tower above this area. The billboards were removed in 2020 after years of protests from descendants who yearned for a more sacred place to visit. And because this land is partly owned by DDI, St. Louis County, and the Missouri Department of Transportation, Corgan says there's confusion over who's responsible for upkeep. So MoDOT's going to point the finger. DDI is going to point the finger at MoDOT. Uh, MoDOT's going to point the finger at DDI, or they might point the finger at St. Louis County if they own that ditch strip. Whoever owns that strip is part of the problem. Alma the, Norman the says her father's grave is just up a hill from the ditch. She finds it with help from a series of photos she took on her phone to serve as identifying markers. It's quite a hike up the hill, especially for Norman, a 74-year-old lung cancer survivor. There's no path. We walk between the trees, clearing away fallen branches until we get to a spot marked by a wooden stake, an American flag, and some red, white, and blue fabric flowers that oh. Alma previously placed there. They done cut this stuff and just threw it anywhere. There's my dad's grave. The red, white, and blue flowers. This is his stake, N.M. That's Nathaniel Martin. See, Indians have their burial ground as sacred. This is sacred. I know it couldn't be help, it happened. But the thing of it is, is to get it undone. What I'm afraid of is his casket may have moved. For historian Robert Green, seeing the state of things on this side of the Berkeley, Missouri Cemetery is almost too much to bear. So when I see this in the 21st century, it's just so what sad state that we're in. We can barely live alive, but we can't even die That's right, in peace. In peace. That's right. And so this is, this is horrible. Mm -hmm. This is shameful that this exists like this. Shameful. You know, this is shameful. So it's uh, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what to say. But you know, everybody that's got any kind of compassion, any kind of compassion, should be out here doing something. Asia Corrigan sees the disrepair. She knows it's an overwhelming task to take care of this sacred place, but she remains optimistic. She will keep unearthing gravestones and resetting them one at a time. I could probably lift that one. That one's about my size, or about the size I can lift. The other ones, that one, I could probably do it on a good day. I'm tired Corgan today. hopes that with the help of educators, historians, and community members, one day, Washington Park Cemetery will be a place where those of St. Louis's past can be honored, and their stories told and studied by future generations. I'm Emily Woodbury, St. Louis Public Radio. Our Shula Newman edited that report. Shula is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. This has been The Gateway.
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.